hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim and Friends for this Thursday, March the 11th. Twenty twenty one. It's been a long year. Hello, friends. I'm Tim McAuliffe, and we are coming to you live from the Sportsnet Studios in downtown Toronto. Quick reminder, or quick reminder: if you want to stick with us for the entire two hours, set the PVR or flip over to Sportsnet 360, home for the hardcore. We are an hour and a half on Sportsnet Hockey Central. Takes over in that hour and a half, heading into the Pens and Sabers. And on Sportsnet 590, the fan, my homie, here from the jump, you don't have to worry about any of that. But when you get home, we got sports for you. Two hockey, two basketball, another one on Sportsnet. Now, somewhere that life coach, Rowan S.N. Potts, is wondering what hit him and his turtleneck. But I digress. If you are new to the show, here's how it works. Uncle Timmy's got you off the top. And after that, I get by with a little help from my friends. We've had already 25 voices join the fray, thanks to an amazing crew and some very talented people around Sportsnet. But today we branch out of the building. Dave McMenamin of ESPN will join me in the opening hour. Our old friend Nick Kiprios is the contributor in the second hour, also dropping by. Sean McKenzie from Toronto ahead of the Leafs and Jets. Ryan Leslie in Calgary for Daryl Sutter's debut as the Flames host the Habs. And Buck Martinez on another interesting day at the park in Dunedin as the Bats awaken against the Tigers, at least. And as if that weren't enough, we'll introduce you to the hottest new segment on Tim and Friends called Smoke or Fire. Get it? Hottest? As I introduce you to the man in control of the social media accounts for the day, Jesse Rubinoff. Jesse, oh, what are the friends saying today? No finger guns today. No finger I'm guns I'm going to leave today. them in the pockets. I'm kind of glad, to be honest. <laughs> well, I think it's a good I'm call. great today, but some of the friends are a little bit shook because the Duke Blue Devils doesn't look like they're, doesn't look like they're going to be in the NCAA tournament, which begins next right. week. They had a positive COVID test. And they are out of the ACC tournament. Most thought they needed to win the tournament in order to get into the NCAA tournament. So Coach K and Duke, for the first time since 1996, Timmy, will not be in the NCAA tournament. So looks like uh, the Duke Blue Devils could use the Cameron Crazies back in the arena for some support. Because uh, let me ask you this: rough year for them. If we put it on the poll, would more people take the COVID aside? Yeah. Move that out of the equation. Yeah. Would more people be happy that Duke is out or unhappy that Duke is out? I mean, based on social media, and that's my job, I would say most people are probably happy that they're out. <laughs> right. Understood. And the only reason I say that is because in my grad grid at Senator O'Connor, yeah. you know when they give you like most uh, favorite moments, sports, sure. acts, and they give you a pet peeve? Uh, one of mine was Duke because I grew up a UNLV fan. Right. But I digress. Listen, <laughs> it is a jam-packed show but as the great Christopher Wallace once said, first things first. First things first. first. 
late scratch. Rudy Gobert with an illness is out tonight for Utah. So the officials conferring here prior to the start of this game. Both head coaches now talking with the officials. Obviously, these uncertain times have brought some uncertainty to this game. And you see the teams heading back to the locker room. The officials have gone back to the locker room. The fans here in the arena don't know what's going on. The game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe. This is something that is just unprecedented. We've seen the world affected here. Now the sporting world is, is also getting affected. Amazingly, that was one year ago today, March 11th, 2020. Rudy Gobert returned a positive COVID test just moments before tip-off between the Jazz and the Thunder. It, of course, came two days after he touched all of the microphones at his media availability as a joke. Gobert's test result not only set off a chaotic pregame scene in Oklahoma City, but it also set off a chain of events that would shut down the entire sports world for months. It was a shocking moment. And for many, it was the moment that forced the wretched reality to set in. The virus was here and our lives were about to change. I remember vividly the images of Mark Cuban getting the news that the NBA was suspending the season. First reaction, we got the shot of you reacting on the phone and seeing it. First reaction and thought when you learned that the season's been suspended. This is crazy. This can't be true. I mean, it's not within the realm of possibilities. It's just it seemed more like out of a movie than reality. Confusion reigned. The Raptors had played the Jazz just two nights earlier. Were any of them affected or infected? The Jets, Oilers playing on Wednesday night hockey during the intermission. The panel reacted to the news out of the NBA, and it was clear the, NBA, the NHL would be left with no choice either. It was a surreal night. I happened to be off work that week, but by the time Sid opened Thursday's show, virtually every major sports league in the world had announced that they were temporarily shutting down. I didn't step foot in this studio again until last week. But this isn't a woe are we. This isn't a hang our head. There have been enough of that for me. This last year has been a kick in the ass, but it's also been a great reminder to appreciate everything we had and so much that we still have. It's almost as if this shared grief and the weight of the world every single day has put a lot of things into perspective, even wins and losses for some. But while we've been forced to understand that these sports that we love aren't as dire as some make them out to be, just having the games to look forward to, the games to react to again, the games to distract us from how tough it's really been has been such a welcome slice of normalcy, the kind of peace that comes just as you sit down to get lost in watching a game, a match, a putt, a race, it feels good to be able to look forward to watching your favorites, even if it comes without fans. I've been told there are just three things that you need to be truly happy in life. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Sports. It's amazing how many of those bases you cover for us. And hope, hope is perhaps the greatest one of them all. If you've been around this show and its many iterations, you know how much I love a great crowd. But I'm not sure I even appreciated what you, the fans, can do for a moment, which is why I can't wait till we get back to this.
Think about it. What of some of what are some of our favorite moments in sports without being in a spot where everybody knows your name? Which is why I will never again take for granted how much more amazing sports are when we hang on every single moment, sometimes waiting years for the payoff. Up with it again. He's on the ice with again. Look. Again, at the clock, turns the corner for the win! Man, do I miss that. But I've also come to appreciate, I've come to appreciate just how cool it was to enjoy Raptors playoff games in Jurassic Park with my peoples. I don't think I will ever take for granted the chance to see Scott Oak with his people in the streets of Winnipeg or the stadiums of Winnipeg. I'll appreciate Ryder Nation, the Red Patch Boys, and maybe even the Cameron Crazies. Man, even more than ever, I hope we all remember to have a little gratitude for the goosebumps we get when the Habs honor a legend to hold a little more gratitude for getting to celebrate an Olympic gold with the whole bleeping country and the absolute amazement at two million people showing up for a parade. So let's make a promise to each other to never let that gratitude go, to remember the anticipation of just walking to the game with friends, family, 10,000 others to remember the smile that comes with giving a simple high five with some random at the game or in the bar. Hell, just laying out the game day food after inviting a couple of your friends over to enjoy the match or something as simple as being on a bus with a baby and a couple of Irish soccer fans. It's the immediate smile we all understand. And for many of us, the reason why we fell in love with sports to start. Yes, I miss all that a lot. But often perspective is expensive. To say this has been a tough year is to massively understate it. But hopefully we can come out of this with a greater appreciation for everything that we've missed. 
and everything that we took for granted. And most of all, for those who sacrificed to get us through it. Vaccines have given us light at the end of the tunnel, even if we can't tell exactly how far away it is. There is hope. Hope that this summer we'll have an Olympic Games, maybe a European championship, and hope that we can sit in the sun and watch a baseball game with 30,000 of our closest friends. It may be just hope, but after the past year and all the trials and tribulations and loss, maybe being reminded of what matters most to all of us isn't such a bad idea after all. Because as Desmond Tutu once said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. First things first. I know my next guest has seen a couple of great crowds in his time. Our first friend of the show not only grew up in one of the most passionate sports cities in all of the world as a Philly kid, but I've been told he also went to school at the University of Limerick in Ireland. ESPN's Dave McMenamin joins me now. Dave, I'm not sure if you heard first things first, but I remember how amazing atmosphere was in sports. What's the greatest atmosphere that you remember for a game that you've been around in your lifetime? I've been pretty fortunate to be at, at a couple of them that will be with me for the rest of my days, Tim. Certainly, I was at the Super Bowl win. The Eagles broke through and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, back in 2018, and, and that was an epic one. Uh, but when I was in school, even though I did spend a year at the University of Limerick in Ireland, I also went to the University of Syracuse. Uh, we won the championship in 2003, uh, getting that block on uh, Michael Leah, Kansas, late in the game. And that one, literally, both of those games actually brought me to tears out of sheer joy and shared experience. I was with my college friends for the Syracuse game. I was with my younger brother for the Eagles game. And you know, it's those moments that you watch all these other games throughout the course of your life. And it's a distraction. Sometimes it's an escape other times for me, it's a job a lot of times, yeah. but to be able to just experience pure fandom like that is, is what it's all about. It's so funny. You bring up Syracuse. One of my best friends growing up was a Syracuse fan. He ended up going to the university of Hartford on a soccer scholarship. And I hadn't heard from him in a while. And lo and behold, Syracuse wins the title. And guess guess who's on the phone? That's right. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it's, it's the thing that ties a lot of us who love sports. W what do you miss the most about, like, the olden days? Like, what part of the whole experience do you now realize, maybe I took it for granted? You know that scene in Goodfellas where it's – really renowned because it's a single shot where he goes in through the back entrance of the restaurant right. and and you just see the camera tracking him till he comes up to the full restaurant when there's laughter and there's candlelit tables well uh, you know being able to be in the bowels of nba arenas and go from the media room past the press conference room and find the tunnel that will bring me out to the court where there's twenty thousand fans and that couple minutes of anticipation before a big playoff game in particular. Like, I want to hook that up to my veins, and I really miss it. It was a drug that I relied on for many, many years, and uh, I haven't had it in my life now for a year. I know, you, I know you're in L.A., um, so the restrictions are a little stronger than in other parts of the United States, but maybe somewhat like Canada. So have you been to any games? I have. Yeah. Uh, I've been at the Laker home games. I'll be at one tomorrow when they host the Indiana Pacers, the first game after the break. But 
games at Staples Center uh, normally uh, are one of the, the better atmospheres in the, in the league. Get the stars out. Yeah. yeah, of course. And players from opposing teams look forward to that game. They wear special sneakers for it. They <laughs> invite family and friends and fly them out to L.A. to see the game. Um, and it's it's an event as much as it's an athletic endeavor. Uh, but take all that away, and, and it's really just a big cavernous space uh, that that I think is probably the worst home court in the league right now uh, be, because you strip away all those expectations uh, that guys have been so accustomed to. And so, yeah, I, I'm fortunate to be able to go to games, get a, a shred of normalcy, uh, but it's nothing like uh, what it was like before March 11, 2020. Well, what's it feel like? It, it, it feels... It, it feels kind of fake. Uh, yeah. I was fortunate to be one of the few guys and women to go down to Orlando to cover the games in the bubble. And the league did a really good job of creating an atmosphere in those small gyms at the you know, worldwide of sports complex to, to right. make it feel legitimate, make it feel real. Uh, I've been to maybe 20 games at Staples Center now this season, and it still doesn't quite feel real. I can't imagine it would, especially in a shrine like that, where you just, you know, that darked out audience is a part of the lore of what you, and who's sitting courtside is a part of the lore, all that stuff. I can imagine it. Hey, listen, um, there's been a lot of talk about Kyle Lowry's future in these parts, and it seems like the one rumor that won't go away, no matter what anyone says, is in Philly. We're going to do a little thing that we call uh, smoke or fire next segment, but I can't wait on this one. I'm sure you got to still have a few Philly connects left. Can you see this Kyle Lowry to Philly happening? I can see it. Uh, I will defer to one of your colleagues, Michael Grange, yeah. who has pretty much laid it out that it, it, it's unlikely to happen. Now, things can move as we get closer and closer to March 25th. Initial phone calls that have occurred between Daryl Morey and Masai Ujiri, the terms and conditions could change, and that could change perspective. But... If you're the Raptors and you recognize that you have the greatest player in franchise history and you recognize that he's been able to adapt his game as he's gotten older and it's not like he's going to fall off a cliff, aren't you going to be trying to do whatever you can to move forward and be the guy that resigns him this summer, even if he is a free agent and even if it is slightly above market value? He's someone who's going to continue to build the program and be about what you're about. And and so to me, unless there was a situation where he went to the Raptors and said, listen, I only have so many years left in me. I have that one wonderful championship experience. I just want a chance to experience that again. Please work with me. I think they probably would work with him in that scenario, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So unless he really has that, that, you know, face-to-face -face meeting and says, just help me out here. I don't think there's a ton of motivation on the Raptors' side to do that because he's someone who can help them through the next era of Raptors basketball. Yeah, it's so interesting, the balance. And listen, you don't have to shout out Michael Grange, right? He was co-hosting the show yesterday. <laughs> he spent an entire hour with us bragging about his sources and what they said about Kyle Lowry. But the, the one part of this, for me, that's really interesting is that Lowry could walk away. You get no assets, but you also have a pretty good young core and tons of cap space. So I could see it both ways. And I think that Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster have put themselves in a wonderful, wonderful position no matter what, because either they have Lowry and a little bit of cap space 
or they don't have Lowry and they got a bleep load of cap space. Yeah, and the last thing you want to do is just to trade them for assets that have multiple multiple years left right. on their their deal, and potentially they're not a right fit in year one. Well, then you're stuck in year two. Versus if he does walk, yes, you you hate to see a guy who you beloved just leave and not get anything in return. But one, obviously, if he's doing that, he's following his heart and doing what's best for him and his family. And two, as you just mentioned, you can use that cap space and target someone specific to your program who you really, really want versus someone who just comes up in, in a trade call from a, a opposing GM. Dave McMenamin, ESPN, our uh, first friend of the show on today's show. Dave, do you realize that you are currently in a 97-inch plasma TV? <laughs> I hope my, my pores are doing okay. <laughs> You're doing all right. We won't zoom in too close because, frankly, I know the feeling, my friend. Can you stick around for a couple segments here? Absolutely. Awesome. Dave McMenamin is going to remain there to quote Masked Wolf. What you know about rolling down deep? We're about to find out with Dave McMenamin. We are also getting started on episode four of Tim and Friends right here on the Sportsnet family of channels. Hey, congratulations on selling your house. That a boy. Uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't my house. I don't know what you're talking about. If I'm here, I will retire the Toronto Raptors. Leon Dreisaitl starts it off for the Oilers. And there's the zone with speed all the way to the net, and he scores! Absolutely embarrassing right now. Dropped it back, Dreisaitl! Patrick goal! Frustrating and embarrassing right now. Messi. Oh, what a hit! Magnificent from Lionel Messi! I need you to hold on. Heaven is a place not too far away. We all know I should be the one to say. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, coast to coast in the Sportsnet family of channels and Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan. My first friend of the day is Dave McMenamin, who is joining me from L.A. Dave, we played a clip of Lowry going to break from last night where he said, and I, I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure, it was played in Toronto as if he said, I'm going to retire a Raptor. But what he really said is, if I'm here, I'll retire a Raptor. It's kind of different, is it not? I think he also said that if I have to, I'll sign a one-day contract to retire a Raptor, which was what we saw Paul Pierce do right. after he had those final stints with the Brooklyn Nets they and the LA like Clippers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I do, do think that he has left the door open for the possibility of him wearing another uniform, okay. just like he once wore a Grizzlies uniform or a Rockets uniform. Uh, prior to that, that, that final moment. I'm glad that you feel that way because I feel like I'm the only dude in Canada right now who is saying, did he not say, if I'm here, I'll retire a Raptor and bring up the one day or 10 day or whatever the hell? All right, for those who don't know, Dave covers, uh, among other things, LeBron James and the Lakers. You did the same thing uh, in Cleveland. What's the one thing that you think the casual or not so casual fan would be shocked to find out about LeBron James? Oh, man. Uh, Tim, I, I think part of the LeBron experience that no one quite has enough appreciation for is the level of detail that he still puts into his body to try to be 
at the top of his game in year 18, 36 years old. That, you know, we were down in the bubble, and obviously he stays in a very nice presidential suite down in the bubble. <laughs> nice. I'm in a, a regular uh, hotel room, which I'm not complaining about. But down there, he had a hyperbaric chamber sent to Orlando so that he could sleep and maximize his rest with more oxygen entering into his body so that he could perform better in games. And, and you know, does he need to do that? Does it even necessarily uh, actually result in better physical performance? I'm not so sure. But the placebo effect and the idea that he's not going to leave any stone unturned yeah. when it comes to maximizing his potential is something that I think everyone kind of takes for granted because it's just, oh, it's LeBron. LeBron's part of the international lexicon. We know that he's going to be out there and putting up a near triple-double and probably be in the NBA Finals every year. But what does it take to have that happen? It's not just you know, God-given ability and being able to jump out the gym. It's all the time and preparation he puts in. Uh, and really the love for the game, because if he didn't have it, I don't think he would continue to go to the lengths he does to perform the way he does. Back when I was doing the show in my basement, uh, Dave, I was uh, I was saying it felt like LeBron was going after an MVP to cement his legacy. And that's become a little bit harder with Anthony Davis out. And we looked at the numbers there. Like, do you feel, uh, listen, at 36, and given how much time you've spent covering the man, are you no longer amazed by what he's able to do at 36? I'm, I'm still amazed when he really turns it on and the hair trigger that he has that can turn him into Careful uh, with the monster. hair. <laughs> Careful with the hair. Right? <laughs> when you paused on the hair, I was going to get upset, but whatever. I understand his uh, quarrel. <laughs> well, there was the game he had in uh, Cleveland earlier this year, and right. uh, there was you know, a couple hundred fans in the stands, and yeah. there was a Cavs executive sitting courtside. <laughs> and when LeBron missed a buzzer beater to go from the third quarter to the fourth quarter, the Cavs got up a little bit out of his chair and cheered a with a little too much emphasis for LeBron's liking. And LeBron just went out and completely destroyed the Cavs in the fourth quarter. They had 20 points. He couldn't miss. He was hitting shots from half court. And it was a regular season game in year 18 when he was 36 years old. Right. Uh, but he can turn it on when he needs to. Obviously, he saves that turning it on for the most part for the postseason because he, uh, when you're talking about legacy, it's all about stacking championships to try to catch the likes of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan, who, are, in my opinion, are the only two players in league history with a legitimate claim to be better than, Michael, than LeBron James uh, at this point. Uh, but MVPs can certainly help that conversation. I, I think there's been a bit of a revamp for his uh, kind of command when it comes to the regular season since that first season yeah. in L.A. went so poorly where he recognized that, hey, this could be taken away from me. You know, a bad groin injury here could lead to other body breakdowns uh, right. there. And I'm going to make sure I maximize the time I have. And, and it's been a completely different approach to the regular season since the start of last season. All right, one more on LeBron. Uh, he's made a career shocking people with decisions. Does he have any more shocks left in him? I, I think it just depends on what happens in the 2023 draft. Uh, you know, he right. has been repeatedly putting it out there, not shying away from the question, do you want to have the chance to continue to play to be on the same NBA court as your son, Brody James? And if whatever team drafts Bronny James in the 2023 draft, could we see LeBron sign a one-year deal with that team? I could absolutely see it. Uh, now, at the same time, 
there there could very well be a pressure on whatever team he's playing for that point, which I believe would be the Lakers, to do whatever they can to make sure they have draft assets to be right. able to acquire Bronny James at that point so they can keep him in-house. Understood. Uh, I want to try a new segment. It's called Smoke or Fire, and uh, we've got a little animation for it, Dave. This means it's big time. Smoke or fire, you know what I'm saying? Uh, concept oh, yes. simple. As a sports fan in 2021, heck, as a human being in 2021, understanding what's real and fake news imperative to living in 2021. What we hope to do with smoke or fire is figure out who's on to something and who isn't. Is it smoke or is there some fire? Dave, listen, I told the audience in episode number one that we were going to throw some poo at the wall. Some of it may slide down, okay? Um, I understand that. I like this one, but I got to ask you because I respect you. Are you good with running the test balloon on smoke or fire? Uh, sure, let's do it. We, we, <laughs> right. Maybe that was a, refer that... to it as poo moving forward. Right. But, I mean, you're the host. Funnier, funnier, uh, funnier phrase or word: poop or poo. I think poo gets more people to stop. Without a doubt. Sorry. And now I've said it four times yeah. on the show. I, don't, I didn't mean to make you say that. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> last night, the San Antonio Spurs and LaMarcus Aldris uh, seem to have agreed to part ways. He looks very much like a 35-year-old who can still add a little something to a playoff contender. What's the best fit for LaMarcus Aldridge? It's fire and uh, the Phoenix Suns, uh, the team that I see really being a great fit for him. They have their young center already in DeAndre Eight. He can be a veteran president off the bench. And you think back to when Marcus was a free agent and ultimately chose the San Antonio Spurs. Phoenix was at the top of his list. And my sources back then told me it was more about the lifestyle of living in Arizona as much mm. as it was playing with that franchise. So now he could get both of that and you get to play with a leader like Chris Paul and a good young core. Obviously, Devin Booker leading the way there. Yeah. I think Phoenix would be the great fit for them. He'd have to be a buyout, though. It right. wouldn't be a trade. It'd have to be a buyout to have him go to Phoenix. So it looks like they're discussing all of that right now in San Antonio between Aldridge and the team. All right, Mavericks have been squashing this Chris Dapps Porzingis rumor, but ESPN, your boy, Tim McMahon, reports that there has been a perception among executives around the league that he is still available. He's been hurt a good chunk of the season. I'm still puzzled why this guy has been traded once and now in rumors again. Uh, do you see Chris Stapps on the move? No, I think this is smoke. Now, certainly, he has not had the perfect marriage in Dallas so far with Luka Doncic. But at seven foot three, the ability to stretch the floor, and when he was healthy last year in the playoffs against the Clippers, really put it on that team. He brings so much to the table that why would you pull the ripcord and decide you're out of the Kristaps Porzingis business this quick? Now, if you go through another year, Oh, maybe then you have to make some decisions. But we've seen from the Philadelphia 76ers the benefit of keeping guys together. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, giving them a little extra time. Now they're showing they can do this year with the right coach and the right personnel around them. I think you have two studs in Luka and Kristaps, and you got to fill in around them, yeah. not try to restart with another pillar uh, if you were to trade them. As much as Dwight Powell's my guy, I don't watch enough Mavericks basketball, and I keep thinking to myself, like, this is a unicorn. Like, Maybe I'm just watching the highlights and seeing him when he does well, and the rest of it is is poop again. Um, but <laughs> but is like it's not that with Chris Dapps. Like he's real, right? Oh, he absolutely is real. Yeah. I, I uh, got to know one of the trainers that he works with in the off season, yeah. and this guy told me that the first time 
he went to a full training session with him, all he could think of driving home was, wow, that's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And certainly he has way more to go to prove that case. But he can do everything a modern big man you would want uh, from that position and is really just scratching the surface. He just needs some luck on his side. He needs to stay healthy uh, for a good amount of time to be able to understand all the schemes, get to know all the personnel that he plays uh, with in Dallas and, you know, keep that confidence growing because, I mean, he is a special player. Yeah, when I met him, I was I was shocked at how smooth he was and not on the court, like off the court. Like he was just second language, just smooth. Um, so it, it's been shocking to me to see him kind of in rumors and already traded. All right, uh, the Ringers, Kevin O'Connor, recently reported trade talks um, between the New Orleans Pelicans and anyone regarding Lonzo Ball had, quote, fizzled. O'Connor still thinks that a trade could happen and the Pels are expected to be active. Do you see Lonzo going? Yeah, I think this is fire. I mean, oh, the yeah. fact that the New Orleans did not extend Lonzo when they could have under the terms of the rookie contract agreement tells you that there is a marked man there. And you look at their point guard position, certainly the Eric Bledsoe, not the perfect uh, guy at that position, but brings more defensive intensity and has more experience than Lonzo. Now, I, just as a you know casual observer, just the eye test of him throwing lobs to Zion—that's something I'm very much interested in. Yeah. But when you look at the modern NBA, and Kevin Arnovitz wrote a great piece about this on ESPN.com earlier this week. It's all about three-point shooting, and if you have a guy who can't consistently—and I understand Lonzo's gotten better in that that category i'm not totally dismissing that he has more threes made this season than trey young does but if you don't believe that that guy can consistently cause a threat then teams are going to be allowed to scheme so much easier on defense against you and um i i don't think they're interested i they clearly aren't interested thus far in extending him and giving him that big payday so i i would I think you're going to see him on the move. All right, we'll let the audience be the judge of this, but so far I'm liking this. Uh, last one for you. Bob Myers, Warriors GM, did a local radio interview and said they'll be aggressive. Do they have any money? To, like, what are they ta- What is he talking about? How do they do this? Well, I mean, buyout certainly would be one yeah. way for them to yeah. uh, make their team better. Some of their assets, I don't know how you know uh, desirable they are on the trade market. Andrew Wiggins, who they took on after he didn't really live up to expectations in Minnesota. Can you get anything for him? Kelly Oubre, they took on who didn't live up to expectations in his previous stops. Can you get something for him? Now, I think what they really need is someone like Clay Thompson, (laughs) someone who can keep the defense honest, keep teams away from doubling and tripling uh, Stephen Curry by having another option on the other side of the court. Now, perhaps a former Warrior in Harrison Barnes could be that answer. And, uh, you know, if Sacramento's season continues to go in the direction it has been, which is, you know, not sniffing the playoffs, then that is someone who already has the comfort of Steve Kerr's coaching staff and can certainly spread the floor and, and is a true professional. That is someone that without, you know, without changing the axis of the world is someone I think could really help Stephen Curry and that group make a push towards the playoffs this year. A final minute of play. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but you probably do. Syracuse lost on a buzzer beater to Virginia in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. Uh, in less than 30 seconds, will they make the tournament? They better. I, honestly, <laughs> they, they, they finished with above 500 record in the ACC. 
they have uh, a top to bottom roster, seven, eight guys who are legitimate players. They had that great win down in Greensboro against NC State to start things off. They, they beat UNC late in the regular season. Uh, you know, Buddy Beheim coming off a career high 31 points against Virginia. You should have them in the tournament. It's the 68 best teams in the country. I don't think there's garment to keep Syracuse out of it. I don't love that every March I feel like we're on the bubble. But look what happens when you sneak us in. We make a Final Four in like 2016. Come on, committee, yes. make you, it happen. You told me they made you cry. That is a completely biased opinion <laughs> that you fed us at the end of Smoke or Fire. But I appreciate it nonetheless. Thanks, Dave. This was fun. Uh, will you do it again or will you run for your life like Patrick Mahomes did in the Super Bowl? I mean, he ran, but still, you know, got the pass yeah, off, right? Did. So I'll do he it any time. Hey, appreciate it. Let's do it. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for doing this. Thanks, Tim. There is uh, Dave McMenamin from his home in Los Angeles, California. Still to come, Nick Kiprios on all things hockey. And a little birdie told me non-hockey too. Plus, George Springer is already doing George Springer things for the Jays in spring training. Vladdy went deep. Alejandro Kirk went deep. The Blue Jays' boner grows. We'll enter the bubble (laughs) and go to Dunedin as Tim and Friends continues, at least I think, after that last comment. Tim and friends on the Sportsnet family of channels. I am Tim McAuliffe, hence the name of the show. We've already had ESPN's Dave McMenamin roll through. Nick Kiprios is going to roll through. Ryan Leslie, Sean McKenzie. It is a jam-packed show. And allow me to reintroduce our dean of social. His name is Jesse Rubinoff, and he joins me now. Uh, what are the folks saying on the social media? Well, they're saying a lot about the opening monologue. I don't know if you're trying to make me cry, make the viewers cry, but there was a lot <laughs> of emotion into that one. So why don't we have a look at what the viewers said. Uh, Danielle writes in, that was the best reflection of the past year that I have heard all day. Nice. Obviously a significant day in the calendar right now. So, Timmy, kudos for that. Awesome. I honestly wanted, I didn't, like, I've seen too many of the negative, like, we, we all have seen too much of the negativity. Yeah. Like we've, we've all gone through it for the last year. Mm-hmm. And I, the one thing early on, and I, I went deep early on all this-ish, <laughs> uh, the one thing that I, I made a promise to myself was stay positive. Like, yeah. it's not what happened. Like, we read all these quotes all of our lives, right? Like, you get them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Your dad tells you about them when you're a kid. Your mom says, hey, do you remember when blank said blank? And I... <laughs> You just kind of pack it in the back. And then I realized, oh, dear God, these are why we heard all of these things. 100%. When we were growing up or when we went to school or when you listened to the wise man in your neighborhood yeah. or the wise woman in your neighborhood. So I was like, I, I, I didn't want this to be another negative thing. It's easy to be negative. Yeah. It, I mean, what, and obviously, it seems like hopefully we're turning the corner. Vaccines yeah. around the corner. Let's go. Knocking on so we'll here. get to be back in the stadium. Why don't we check out a couple more? Because there were a lot about the opening monologue, Tim. Paul says, nice. gotta love the shout out to the Irish listening in from Cork, Ireland. Nice. Stay strong. That was my favorite. I've, I've <laughs> held that clip for a long time. It's from Euro 2016, I believe, where they're on a bus yeah. in France. And there's Irish fans and there's a baby in an arm and they just wanted to sing <laughs> so they sang a lullaby to the baby i love that clip it's so the best. much yeah. there were so many good ones in there shout out to uh 
Jay Sands. Yeah, and Putting that baby together. And a boy moops. And moops. Uh, Lucas Weiss writes in, fantastic opening monologue from Tim McAuliffe on Tim and Friends. These clips of crowds cheering give me chills. Hope is being able to see there is light despite all the darkness. Little philosophizing on Tim and Friends. The, uh, the ability to quote is a serviceable replacement for wit. That's right. Mark Twain. That so is right. I just stole that quote from Desmond, <laughs> Desmond Tutu <laughs> and Mark Twain. One more for the opening monologue, and I'm going to move on to uh, some reactions. No, no, keep them coming. I'm actually enjoying this. <laughs> Joseph writes in, uh, that opening was straight goosebumps after goosebumps from the bat flip to the Kawhi bounce. Great times. And that is a, actually a perfect segue to what Tim and Friends' social media account posted earlier today, two hours ago. Let us know, what part of going to live games do you miss the most? And we got a lot of responses as it pertains to this question. Nice. There are so many to choose from, so many things that are so great about going to live sporting events. Eric writes in, watching a guy try to juggle his nachos and drink while at a urinal. I mean, this is something I think you would see primarily at baseball games. Baseball is where you're going to see a guy juggling his nachos, the drink, and the urinal. I think it's just you're outside. Baseball is the place you want to have the nachos, right? Yeah. Like, I'm I not remember, a big nacho guy. I don't see people eating nachos at hockey games very regularly. Mind you, I haven't seen any fans at hockey games <laughs> regularly in the last yeah. little bit. Didn't we, uh, <laughs> didn't we see a picture in the past of a Habs fan who placed his nachos on the ground below That's the urinal? That's true. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Maybe that's the, where this tweet's coming from. One of the greatest tweets of all time. <laughs> uh, I will say, like, the, the fake cheese sauce, mm. not a big fan of. No, I don't know. What is it? I, I don't know fake what Fake cheese sauce, I think. Yeah, but what is the fake part of it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like chemicals? Is that what you're telling <laughs> I'm me? Not gonna, I'm not going to go there. I'm yeah. not going to go there. Uh, so Zubair writes in, booing the refs. Now, this one is... Yeah, I mean, this happens oh, a lot. Oh, he booing the refs. Yeah, booing the refs. I How do, could you not? I do. I always I was a feign booer. Like, just when, when, I, when it's supposed to boo, you just under your breath start to... Okay, <laughs> I, I just got this sent to me. Hold on a second here. I got to pull this up because we got the picture, and I'm going to pull it up. You know what? I'm going to come back to it in a second because it's too difficult to pull up on email right now. But let's continue on with uh, more tweet reaction. Right. So Mike writes in high five. Hold on. That must have been bumping. good for you to just kind of... Oh, I'm right telling turn. you. I'm it's, telling you. I gotta it? find it. I gotta get it in the email, and I gotta pull it up. Okay. Uh, Mike writes in high fiving or fist bumping a stranger after a yeah. goal, Homer. I mean, that's what we saw primarily in the montage: is people hanging out together, yeah. being able to high five each other, being able to hug each other, and that's what we crave so much about being inside a sports yeah, arena. The shared or experience. Building. The shared experience. Yeah. Just imagining the bat flip, the energy that was in that building. Yeah. I was there. I probably should have kept my ticket because everyone's going to say they're at the bat well, flip. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you high five or hug after bat flip? I was just, honestly, I was filming it, which is even the craziest oh, thing. Nice. Maybe, we'll, maybe yeah. we'll get it in the show. Do you have it? Yeah. I do have it, yeah. So I was in the 500 level and it happened. And I was just, the, you just see the camera instantly start shaking because you know right right as he hit the ball. Yeah, that's the you beauty know that of that one. That one was gone. Yeah. Just gone instantly. And then from where I was sitting in the 500 level behind home plate, I looked at the Jumbotron and they were showing the replay. Yeah. And I caught the back end of Jose staring at Dyson. Just the back end. I turned to my dad who I was with and I said, I think there was something going on there. But being at the game, you didn't understand it, right? Yeah. So, A lot of people missed the bat flip who were at the game yeah. because they didn't see it. They were yeah. watching the ball go out because but, but that's the. Do you have any more? Because I want to just 
You have yeah, one I got more? I got one more. Okay, go one on. more. Dano writes, uh, being able to complain about the price of the beer I bought and then <laughs> buying more anyway. <laughs> Understood. The beer is cheaper at home. Careful with that one. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll take the and the, the beauty of the Batista was you knew it was gone, so the reaction from the fans hundred said this from the start was just crazy because as soon as it left the bat, explosion. The best. All right, after the break, we hit rinks and the ballpark. That's right, Jets Leafs round two. Sean McKenzie gets a set for it. Daryl Sutter's debut again behind the bench in Calgary. Ryan Leslie gets a set for it. And to Dunedin to talk some Jays. Tim and friends, literally. Next. Thank you, Sheepdogs. Thank you, Mark Strong, for the amazing intro. This is Tim and Friends, Hour 2 on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Tim and Friends, friends, we were talking about nachos and if they're any good and brought up a certain picture from a certain Montreal Canadiens fan. And Vinny sent, this is what you can do on this show. You can just tweet into the show and you can get something on air immediately Vinny sent, just sent me the picture. Meanwhile, in Montreal, is Jesse, I need you in on this, is Jesse Rubinoff, who is our digital <laughs> producer. Uh, is this the grossest thing that you have seen regularly? This is what and, I was trying to show. Uh, a guy <laughs> standing over his nachos in some sort of, I don't know what you call that. Oh, no. Some tray with his drink and then peeing <laughs> over top both. Yeah, that's... I can't. That's a no from me, dog. Yeah, I, without a doubt, it's a no. It's a no from everyone. All I, you better have a, a steady stream, Mr. Weber. You better have a steady stream. All right, let's move on, please. That's one of the most disgusting things I've seen in a long Agreed. time. Agreed. Uh, Nick Kiprios will join, and I said poop like four times in the opening segment. Nick Kiprios will join me as the contributor in the second hour. I hope. Plus, Buck Martinez from Dunedin to talk some Jays. We'll get to highlights from their game against the Tigers shortly. The bats were going. But first, time for Inside the Lines, brought to you by Sports Interaction, Canada's odds maker, 19-plus. Please play responsibly. Ten games in the show tonight. The Leafs minus 205. So they're minus 205 favorites at home despite losing three straight. Panthers slight favorites on the road in Columbus. Uh, the Bruins minus 190 at home to the Rangers, over under five and a half. Blackhawks plus 125 dogs against the Stars in Dallas. And a coin flip between the Canadians and Flames in Calgary, kind of leading Calgary on this one. Sutter's debut, second half of back-to-backs with travel for the Habs. Over under five and a half, Jake Allen, the call for the Habs. We'll get to Calgary in just a second, check in with Ryan Leslie ahead of that one. But first... Back to that Jets-Leafs game. Joe Thornton will play in game number 1,652, passing Chris Chilios for seventh all-time, just 115 back of Gordie Howe's all-time record. For more on tonight's game, let's bring in our own Iron Man, ringside reporter, fashion maven, and braving a storm in Ontario or downtown Toronto, Sean McKenzie at Scotiabank Arena. Is that it? Nice. He's got the umbrella. It's Mary Poppins, everybody. What's going on? 
These are the things that I do for you. And you know what? I always knew you were the good one. Sid leaves, and look at this. It's 6 o'clock. I'm getting some primetime minutes here. I'm braving a storm for you. I'm getting compliments. This is the mutual appreciation society that I'm all <laughs> nice. about. But enough about me for now. We, we can talk about that later. Okay. You mentioned Joe Thornton, and just I hope one day when I'm his age, I have the passion for anything. I'm as fit as he is. And you hear the stories about Joe Thornton. You hear his teammates talk about him. And, you know, from afar, it's entertaining. It's interesting. But until you really cover this team day to day and you really get a feel for what the guy's all about, you don't really know how intense he is. And I say intense in a, in a way that's different than maybe we think of normal intensity. And why is this all important? Well, this morning it was uh, an optional morning skate for the Maple Leafs, and there was very few guys out there. One of the first guys to step on, of course, was Jumbo Joe Thornton. And how does that affect the team? Like I mentioned, why is that important? Well, Alex Kerfoot mentioned it. Sheldon Keefe mentioned it. Joe Thornton mentioned it himself that when a team goes through a stretch where you lose a couple games like the Leafs do, they're kind of searching for their game. They're coming off a road trip they're not too happy about. It's having guys like Joe Thornton around. It's having that passion, that lightness that really helps them. That being said, though, you, you talked about the Jets and just how good they are. You have to give this team credit. Tuesday night, they go down to the Maple Leafs. We've seen a lot of teams fold in that situation. They didn't. So the Leafs are in tough. They may be the top team in the North, but like many people uh, suspect, the Jets are the team that could give them the, the hardest push for that top spot. Sean McKenzie joining me from Scotiabank Arena where his right hand is getting a workout because the umbrella is blowing right now. <laughs> uh, on this Storm. Is core strength. <laughs> trending in Canada, and now we see why. Are you good? Like, if you've got to go, homie, go. Like, I'm not going to stop These you from... These are the, see, I'm so desperate to be a friend in Tim and Friends that this is what I'm doing for you. I'm going to, this wrist might break. I might go sailing into this infinity behind me. Please don't. You better believe I'm going to be a Tim and friend. All right, one more question for you. I feel like the Jets are constantly yes. slept on. So I'm going to ask you and wrap it in really quickly. What's most impressive to you? The underrated top six forwards, Connor Hellebuck, and I'm saying that as a Vesny Trophy winner, or how Paul Maurice seems to have them playing above expectations all year. What's most impressive? All three, but I'm going to say the top six in a in a North Division when Matthews and Marner get so much love, and yep. Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are on the highlights every single night. The ability for them just to quietly go about their business and, and take it two teams the way they do at times. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, just like this wind is taking it to me. Right. I think <laughs> the Jets' top six is maybe the most uh, slept-on thing. Hellebuck gets hype. Maurice gets a lot of love because he's just such a, a fun guy to talk to. Yep. That top six though is third in the North, but. Uh, I I think maybe one of the best right now. All right, before you fly away, go, please. Be safe, be well. Thank you for doing this. We appreciate the forearm strength. Anything for you, Tim and friends. <laughs> All right, be well, buddy. There is Sean McKenzie at Scotiabank Arena, and I think uh, Ryan Leslie has something to follow now. As mentioned, it is the Habs and Flames from Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. Habs coming off a 5-1, impressive 5-1 win in Vancouver last night. Jake Allen, as mentioned, will get the start in back-to-backs, while Daryl Sutter makes his debut behind the Flames bench. First game as head coach in nearly four years. For more on that. We go from the fashion maven being blown in the wind like Mary Poppins in Toronto to a very fine-looking man with a great haircut in Calgary. It's Ryan Leslie. Ryan, how are you, buddy? Uh, Tim, Sean McKenzie, fashion, adorable, but uh, it's great to be with you as always. <laughs> oh, nice. I thought I would go. Oh, nice. I like it. Pay the ultimate respect to look <laughs> like exactly <laughs> like you. And I thought I could tee this game up. Uh, anybody could. But I thought, how great would it be if 
Ron McLean teed it up for you, and uh, so I thought I'd give it to you this way. As you know, Tim, my full Ron McLean. As you know, Tim, uh, Bruce Springsteen <laughs> wrote a song in 1984 called My Hometown, Daryl Sutter's hometown, Viking, Alberta, and I just got thinking. I just started to think, isn't that neat? You know, there was a, a line in that song, <laughs> My Hometown, called Foreman Says These Jobs Are Going, Boys, and we don't know if they're coming back, and we didn't know if Daryl was coming back. <laughs> But he is, and maybe that song's called Unfinished Business, Scott Oak. Yes, a lot of storylines <laughs> that would lead up to this one, uh, and we could look at all kinds of, you know, steps to making a return, but uh, he did say he's got some unfinished business, and this is step number one towards getting his team uh, back into a playoff picture. He's got a lot of work to do, as we know. They are six points back of the Habs, and the Habs have a game in hand, so there is a lot of work to do if this team is going to dig out, but certainly uh, there is a belief uh, in Daryl and in this club that they can turn things around. They're just up against it is all, and certainly the Canadians have been road warriors this season. 20 points yeah. have come on the road, if you can imagine. They're uh, tied for second uh, best in the National Hockey League. They've got points in six and eight of uh, their last nine. So it's a formidable foe for the Calgary Flames who, you know, I was talking to Noah Hannafin and he said that, uh, boy, I see a lot of similarities between Daryl Sutter and Bill Belichick. You know, you just kind of get that no-nonsense. You better fall in line. You better fit in. Doesn't matter who you are. You're going to play his way. And if you do, you might just get what those two guys have, and that's championships. Let's cut the sleeves off. Uh, more Leslie among the friends. Got it. And good. That was awesome. Thanks, buddy. Scott Oak. <laughs> there is. Uh, Ron McLean or Ryan Leslie, you make the call. All right. We got highlights for you, kids. Uh, Jays, Tigers, spring training action. Bottom of the first. George Springer leading off. And how about this? Love, peace, and hair grease. His first home one in a Jays uniform. Spring, albeit, he finished one for three. Same inning, two on. Vladi Dotty, he liked to potty. He don't cause trouble. He don't bother nobody. Unless you're a pitcher, that's a three-run shot. Also his first in the spring, four-nothing Jays. Bottom two, more long ball. Alejandro Kirk beyond the restraining fences in right field. That's called a home run, a solo shot. He finished one and two, bottom of three. Another man on for Vladdy. Another single. Run scores. Guerrero finished three for three. Four RBIs. Two batters later. How about more? Randall Gritchick, three-run bomb. He finished one for three with the three RBIs in this one. The Blue Jays went up 10-0. The final was 10-6, and it feels like we aren't seeing enough of the Jays this spring, so why don't we get down inside what I hear is a pretty tight bubble, which is why we aren't seeing a lot of the Jays, and talk to a man who just hearing his voice makes me feel better, Buck Martinez. Buck, welcome, and thank you for being one of the friends. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? Good I'm, to be with you. I'm very good, and it's nice to hear your voice. Uh, Florida kind of open. Does it feel like a little bit of a dip different atmosphere, though? Uh, what's the atmosphere like in spring training right now during this pandemic? Well, it's been great. The weather's been spectacular. Nice. Of course, this time of the year, it's pretty special. But obviously, with the uh, limited number of fans in the ballpark, there's a different vibe. And uh, But, yeah, watching the guys on the field, it's been pretty awesome. And uh, you know what? Uh, it's great to see them back on the field. And uh, obviously, a lot of good things happening with this club right now. 
Well, the bats got going today. Some folks were saying this was maybe a sign of how potent the lineup can be. While I agree, it scares me to say that uh, in spring training, even if it was Michael Fulmer. What's your uh, more experienced take tell you? Well, I, I think the you know the numbers were impressive today. Ten runs on eight hits, yeah. and they had four home runs. But I think more than anything, it was the quality of bats. And uh, George Springer addressed that uh, in his post game interview, saying we had great at bats up and down the order. And you know, Randall Grichuk hit eighth today. Gavin Biggio hit right. seventh, and Kirk hit ninth. I mean, that's a pretty good uh, long lineup if you think about what these guys have done in the past. And uh, you know, I just think that George Springer hitting the top of the order does so many good things for you. I mean, immediately, first at bat, Blue Jays have one nothing lead. And um, then you got Simeon, Bichette, Hernandez, Tellez, Guerrero, Bichette. It's a pretty good lineup. And, uh, you know, when you, when you look at this team, I think offense is going to be good. Uh, you know, I don't know that it's going to be a record-breaking offense just yet, but I certainly think it has the potential to be a very well-balanced lineup even though it's a little bit right-handed. But uh, with, with Grichik hitting down in the order, and you kind of forget about him, and all of a sudden he jumps up, and it's a long home run today. So, um, you know, two things happened today I think that were really good. Bo didn't get any hits, but he walked and scored. Kevin didn't get any hits, but he walked and scored. Right. And that's going to be the balance and the uh, signature of this team. You know, get on base and let the next guy do it. Okay, yesterday I had a, a chat with Canada uh, talking about the starting rotation. And while a lot of us would have liked to see maybe another arm or a name that you know in that rotation, there is a part of me that just wants to see what the Jays have. Where do you land on this when it comes to the starting rotation? Well, I think the, the starting rotation, you know, and, and you had spring training, but I'm watching the quality of pitches I'm seeing from Robbie Ray and Steven Matz. And they're throwing very, very good quality pitches, and they're mixing their pitches well, and they're throwing a lot of strikes. And this has been an issue with them in the past. But, uh, you know, I've said this time and time again, I love Pete Walker. I think he's one of the best pitching coaches in the game. And he's identified some mechanical adjustments, and both of these lefties have made those. So now the big, uh, you know, the elephant in the room right now is whether or not uh, Nate Pearson is going to make it in time and pitch. And then, of course, I mean, we still don't know what he is in the major league level. You know, he just hasn't many hasn't had the ability to stay healthy or pitch much in the big leagues yet. So uh, we all think he's going to be good, but how good can he be, and how healthy can he be, and when can he start pitching this year? He's going to throw again this weekend off the mound, so that'll give us a pretty good idea what the rest of the spring looks like for Nate Pearson. But you know, yeah, I would have liked to see another veteran starter come in for sure, but uh, they couldn't get it done. So we'll have to see what this group can provide. Uh, it just feels right. Buck, thanks uh, for doing this. Great to hear your voice, and I don't say that to many dudes, but it fits. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Good to be with you, and before you know it, we'll be singing the praises of this team for real. Yes, uh, Buck Martinez. Thank you. There is uh, Buck in Dunedin uh, where he's following the Blue Jays, and it just feels like the good weather is coming when you hear the voice of Buck Martinez talking Blue Jays baseball. Before we get to break, uh, Holly Green tweeted into the show about the picture that we showed from Vinny Scent and Montreal and a guy urinating over a tray of nachos in a drink. And all Holly said was, I bet there were his wife's nachos. <laughs> Time for a break. On the other side, we call on an old friend as Nick Kiprios joins the fray for the rest of the show. We'll get his take on the North Division, ESPN's NHL broadcast deal, plus 
I've been told that Kipper is fired up about a couple things outside hockey. We'll see what they are next on Tim and Old Friends. Welcome back to Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. You know, when we finally settled on not trying to replace Sid Sixero with any one person, the big brains upstairs said, hey, what do you think about Tim and friends? And I said, as long as it's really my friends. So, Gloxy, get ready, kid. But our next guest fits the bill as well. You may have heard this before, but in coming over from the score, a lot of folks around here looked at Sid and I as a couple of kids coming in from double A. Nick Kiprios was never that dude, and his acceptance, along with the boys from Hockey Central at noon, was massive, even if it was just to jump on, chirp us, or tell us we were dead wrong, maybe even try a little poutine soda. Ladies and gentlemen, the second contributor of the day from just up the street, Nick Kiprios, everybody. And I'm so thankful that you went uh, Tim and Friends, uh, Tim and Bob. Tim and Marge would have frozen me right out. Right, right. I am, I am now qualified under the friend's umbrella. <laughs> nice. I, I heard today, first off, do you remember trying the poutine soda? Uh, the soda? Sid had a drink of poutine soda. And I have, I have a soundboard button for his reaction. And when you heard his reaction oh, yeah. to the drinking of the now. soda pop, um, you came running into the studio and said, yes, I got to try. This, this was Six Arrow's reaction, by the way. Oh, it tastes like a fart. <laughs> and and Kepfer is like, all right, let me go in there and try and see how bad this was. And it truly was. So you kind of remember this. I No, no, definitely I do. And as it's been kind of well documented, I hope uh, in the last year we've, I've been in the beverage business and now we're starting to sample new flavors. Uh, we've got a peach tea coming out nice. uh, very soon this spring, but I'll, I'll keep that one in mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we got to so. let Sid know. Yeah, I don't think does so. He, does he talk to you anymore now that he's a, a morning star? Listen, it's a clean break, Kipper. It was a clean break. We both yeah. moved on our separate ways. We're going to give about six months to let it breathe. And when it comes to six area, you really got to let it breathe because you got to air some things out. So I think okay. I think we're on six months here. Can you believe? So so hold on. Let me get this straight. Yeah. In six months, he's crawling back. <laughs> right? I, he, might be, let me, he might be crawling back because he's tired. What, is, what was the one segment I caught? Uh, do you have what it bakes? No. And I, I'm telling you, if... If Sid is not 275 by July, I'll be shocked. <laughs> but hold on. I don't know if you've noticed this. Um, our group chat on Tim and Friends was saying they're making him exercise every morning. <laughs> that, that, that might offset the 275, and that might drive him back in less than six months. I think I saw a clip of him crawling on the floor. <laughs> so is that part yeah, of it? That's, prob that's probably exactly what it's from. Um, let me ask you about uh, this ESPN deal that we saw uh, yesterday and kind of on air when it broke, and I didn't really have time to, to break yeah. down what it actually meant. I did, I did find that there were a lot of streaming games as opposed to the ones actually on the network, but I think the fact that it's on ESPN will mean that the highlights reappear on ESPN because basically they disappeared. What's your, like, you got a chance to look it over. What's your take yeah. on this? 
I think it's under the circumstances. And, you know, I heard Elliot talk about the other day. And, and I think generally it's, it's the best that we can do. Uh, but there is, a, there is a part B in all of this. Let's not forget that this is just a ESPN uh, ABC scenario right now where it looks like the number is around 420, 440. I think everybody has it around there, which essentially doubles the $200 million that they had from NBC uh, the last 10 years. And, and now there's a second component. We believe it's NBC. It's interesting that they, they chose to announce that part of the deal. First. And all indications is that they're still negotiating with NBC. And some have suggested to me that they have lowballed that part of it early and whether or not it, it climbs there's still three Stanley Cup finals uh, out there in play, and NBC, I'm sure, wants them. But I, I don't know if the number will get as high as what ESPN offered. Uh, but we'll have to see the way it shapes out. But, you know, I think part of the equation, Tim, of, of announcing at least the ESPN deal is, is knowing that the NFL is going to probably make an, an announcement sooner than later. And there was some talk about the NFL asking networks to come back and, and double what they were offering before. And it, it sounds like it's going to fall into maybe that 30 or 40% mode. But when you're talking annually of 2 billion a year from, from these networks, this is going to be a massive number. So if the league wanted to announce whatever they had early, it's going to be because when the NFL makes their announcement, it's going to look like uh Loose change in the right. couch. Right. I understand what you're talking about. The The one thing that I, I keep thinking of, if indeed they go back to ESPN with those Stanley Cups, is um, I know I was just doing a quick search here on Google, on the Google machine, and I noticed that uh, ABC has the um, rights to the NBA finals through 2025. Uh, if you had... ABC doing Stanley Cup final coordinated with the NBA finals and you went back to back nights game one of the NHL game one of the NBA like there's things that ABC can do that NBC could never do for hockey well we I, my era was ESPN right and they're they're the way they marketed the game um, it, it was really trending in a in a in a great way uh, and if you go back again to mid nineties, late nineties, uh, ESPN, where we were compared to maybe NBC, the gap was pretty close. And everybody now famously talks about sports illustrated, having that, that famous cover, right. why the NHL is hot, why the NBA is not, uh, after we won the Stanley cup in New York yeah. and, and the gap wasn't that much bigger. Like even, even if you go look at uh, Michael Jordan's salary compared to, you know, a Wayne Gretzky's, it wasn't, it wasn't that far off. And then what happened in the last 20 years, NBA, NFL, they, they all went to another level and I, I get it. It's not America's sport hockey, but that gap is huge right now. And just like we mentioned it's now up to the challenge of of the league. And, you know, once this U.S. deal is completed and you hope that it's still 
closer to seven or 800 million a year. I'm not sure if it can get there, but it's the best that we can do. But we got to find other ways to, to, to close the gap here and get new fans once again. And yeah. if ESPN can do that and help for sure, but the onus has never been now more on, I think the owners and the players now um, I've talked to current players, Tim, and they want to get more involved with ideas and how to create revenue. Yeah. You know, in my day, you'd have a, an off day. You go for the liquid lunch and you crawl home at 2 a.m. These guys, they think differently now. They're, they're, they've got some business savvy. They got some ideas on how to grow the game, how to create revenue. The, you, you watch in the next little while, you're going to hear a lot a lot more about players wanting to to find ways now to create revenue. And that's the only way the league has to get aggressive here because we do know that American television can carry a lot for NFL, NBA and, and major league baseball, but we're not at that point. And this deal will not move the needle for the next four years, flat cap, Players yeah, owe gotta, a lot of money. There's they got to get aggressive. They got to get aggressive, Kipper. And this is like, I'm, we've been talking about this for years, and all the leagues did this where they put their games in prime time, 9 p.m. Eastern start times for the championship because they could maximize TV ratings now. Man, I don't know. Your kids are a little bit older than my kids, but my, my kid love my son loves sports and watches none of it on TV. He watches it on YouTube when he wants, whenever yeah. the hell he wants, and the clips that he wants. Like, this is this on-demand world, and the more sports keep going away from feeding those youngsters something, yeah. anything, the more trouble they're going to be in, and we're seeing it now. Like, Sid and I used to argue about 9 p.m. starts. He's like, well, you maximize television ratings. I'm like, yeah, and a kid goes to bed and never sees it. Like... You need to get those kids onto the game. And I don't know if streaming does that. What are you saying? You didn't stay up for Vancouver, Montreal, 11 p.m. Eastern? Right. You missed that night. one? Yeah. There's, there's got to be ways that you can still monetize, even if they're not sticking around for three straight hours. And that's the challenge. Maybe we'll, you know, if you want, we'll get into this uh, cryptocurrency and where you think it's heading, where I think it's heading, where the players. I'm hearing players are already buying some of this stuff up. Current yeah. NHL players already, they've dived into it. We got, we got to get going here, Kipper. Uh, we got a hard out, but we will come back on the other side if you'll stick around with us, will you? Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Nick Kiprio is sticking around. We'll send you to Hockey Central on Sportsnet, but we will continue for the final half hour with Nick Kiprios on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back in 60. Stay with us. Tim and friends on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590, the fan. The friend for the second half hour, or the second hour, excuse me, is Nick Kiprios, an old friend right here on Tim and Sid. Uh, you were talking about the cryptocurrency. We were talking yesterday about NBA Top Shot, who is using yeah. this blockchain technology to make money. I don't know if you heard this, but the, the PA and the league get a percentage of every sale of yeah. these things. And is is that it's, what you were talking about? Yeah, and yeah. it's it's almost experimental. Yeah. Trust me, nobody really knows where it was. was. And, and good on the NBA; they just seem to be the leaders in in a lot of things these days, where they're not scared to take uh, uh, a swing at something. Uh, but we are talking a very small percentage, and the numbers that you start hearing Tim out there in the two, you know, uh, 
uh, $600,000 or $200,000 for a Le, uh, LeBron James dunk is only a fraction of, of what they're bringing in off of it. I think it was like 5% that the National Basketball yeah. Players Association and, and the NBA kind of negotiated off of. What you're hearing now is all the cash coming in off the secondary market where right. they don't, they're not tapping into it because nobody really knew the numbers that we're looking at. So, you know, whether you're the NHL now or Major League Baseball or the other ones, you're watching this stuff closely. There's still some that believe that uh, um, it may be a, a bubble. It may burst. It may uh, move off of it. But I don't know, in this pandemic, man, uh, it really seems like someone kind of struck a nerve here in terms of trading cards, digital trading cards. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to go away anytime soon. But again, if you're the NHL right now, Get in. You know, you got to you got to start getting involved real quickly with some of these uh, these tech companies because you don't want to be on the outside looking in. No, you don't want to be reactive. You want to be proactive always. Uh, listen, I want we're going to get to smoke or fire because uh, you are still an insider and one of the best in the business. And we tried it on basketball work pretty well. So I want to do it with hockey as well. But I want to talk about tonight's games. Um, are you worried at all about the buds after three consecutive regulation losses? No, not at all. In fact, they need something like this because, uh, you know, regular season is supposed to be a dress rehearsal where you go through your hiccups, you learn from them, and and you hope to be able to battle the adversity when you need it the most in the playoffs. So uh, not a bad thing. Even with a three-game losing streak, this is the best team and the deepest team, I think, in in the North Division. And I I think even the Winnipeg Jets would assume that uh, they're not – they're not right there at that level yet, and they may not be. They may have to try to find a way to beat the Leafs uh, if they do see them in the playoffs, either a physical play to to rise to another occasion or yeah. Hellebuck starts stealing uh, consistent games like Columbus did against the Leafs in, in the bubble last season. So overall, I think I'm, I'm a believer that there's two things that I like about the Leafs moving forward here is that there seems to be a, a likability there that we haven't seen in the past. Uh, And that's with the game breakers and and maybe Joe Thornton, maybe Wayne Simmons brought that in, but they seem to genuinely have some fun. They care about each other. And, uh, and, and that's usually a recipe for success. The other thing too, is that their style of play is so much better than I've seen in a long time. And I don't analytics, you know, probably don't want to admit this, but they've turned themselves in at, 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 at most times they need it the most into a dump and chase team. Like, yes, puck possession. And when they have it, they take it like Zach Hyman did the other night. Yep. But when they don't, they're not turning the puck over like we've seen in the past. That's That's been at a minimal. And, and I, I give Sheldon Keefe a lot of credit because they do look, even when they're, they're not at, at their peak A game, that they can find now different ways to win. But we'll, we'll see if if teams really start to challenge them physically, uh, what level they get to. But I, I'm okay with what I see so far out of the Leafs. Uh, Nick Kiprios joining us from the Kiprios Estates here in <laughs> Toronto. Uh, last one uh, on tonight's games. Are you surprised that the Flames went with Daryl Sutter? Uh, no. No, I think it just reeks of uh, being desperate. And uh, that's okay. That's all right, because you made a commitment to your ownership that uh, Markstrom and, and Tanov, uh, to a lesser degree, uh, 
Josh Levo, I don't know, but that was supposed to be not to get yourself in the playoffs. That was supposed to be to compete for a Stanley Cup. But there are still some issues in that room for whatever reason. And whether or not you believe that you can win with uh, Johnny Hockey or Monaghan still being the, the front guys uh, to get it done, uh, that may have to come in an off season. But right now, uh, they are desperate. And, and Daryl Sutter is the one guy that can still bring enough old school in uh, to, to rattle them. The question is, what's Johnny Hockey do when Daryl starts challenging? Does he yeah. roll his eyes or does he find a way? It's a great question. Uh, I wasn't able to handle all this myself, so we brought in a digital producer, Kipper, who is helping us out. Jesse Rubinoff is in studio, and he is going to conduct the uh, second edition ever of Smoke or Fire. Jesse, take it away. That's right. We did an NBA edition earlier. We're doing an NHL edition now with Kipper here. First off, with quarantines and other obstacles, do you see this being a very quiet trade deadline league-wide Kipper? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't believe that we're going to see any action, minimal action maybe out of Canadian teams because I don't see uh, Vancouver, Calgary mailing it in anytime soon. And uh, so, so I don't think we're going to see much within the division in, in, in Canada. As far as the states to Canada, if, if you're the Leafs or if you're Calgary or anyone else, get going here because you factor in a 14-day quarantine and all of a sudden, you got, what, 11, 12 games left in the season yeah. for a guy to kind of get acclimated to new surroundings. And it's not the 20-plus that you used to have before in a regular season. So if it's going to happen, I think it's going to happen in the next 7 to 10 days. Uh, but if you if you now get to the, the trade deadline in April 12th, man, you're really taking a chance on uh, – on, uh, being in a scenario where it doesn't pay off and the prices will not drop. I'm telling you, uh, there's still teams that, that look at, uh, you know, there's two markets, the rental market, i.e. A, a, a David Savard in Columbus. He's not resigning there. There's a lot of interest out there, uh, but he is a pending UFA. And then there's Ekholm, another great defenseman who happens to have an, another year. So you're going to get him for two years. So everybody's going to Tampa Bay and saying, hey, did you see what uh, they paid for Coleman and Goudreau? Coleman went for essentially two first-rounders last year because they liked his contract. So it cost you a, a, a draft pick, a first-rounder at the draft, and it also called, uh, cost you uh, Adam Foote's kid, uh, Cal, I believe, yeah. who was a, a, a first-rounder. So those prices aren't dropping anytime soon, I, I don't believe, even in a pandemic. I wonder the only the only part of this equation that interests me, Kipper, is if a couple of these Canadian teams fall off outside of the Sens, because you won't who's be falling the, off. I know, Vancouver. I know, but if maybe, maybe I mean they've played way more games than everybody else, and you're yeah. basically banking on Thatcher Demko to stop things for you. I just if you're not going to be in the same division next year, so it's not trading in the division, and yeah. you don't have the quarantine. That's the one part of this that I think could get interesting. If someone falls off. I'd, I'd like to see when they wave the white flag. That's yeah. all. <laughs> they won't do when. it in Vancouver, right? Yeah. Kipper, you mentioned uh, the Leafs. Elliot Friedman said the Leafs have been rumored to be in on guys like Mikael Granlin, Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl, Philip Forsberg, yeah. Matthias Alcombe, and more. Do you yeah. see the Leafs making a move in short order, and who should they be looking for? or what? Well, depth. Depth for sure. Uh, again, uh, 
pleasant surprise seeing uh, a, def- a blue line that I think should get a lot more credit than than certainly we've given them in the past. But it, it'll be hard to add uh, a Savard or an Ekholm there uh, because you, you have Muzz in there. Uh, even Bogosian and, and Dermot have given them good minutes. So uh, do you want one other guy that could be a 4-5 like a David Savard? I, it'd be great to add, but again, at what price? Grandlin, I don't want another five foot ten guy. No, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I don't see Grandlin uh, in a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform. Eric Stahl now, Buffalo promised him that they'd move him. So that's going to happen. Are they in a race right now? Again, get him over the border. Get him quarantined. It won't be that expensive. That to me, that to me makes sense. Uh, Stahl in, in Toronto, if in fact that you think that you're going to go up against, say, uh, in, in the playoffs, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And, of course, Mark Shifley. Right. That, that makes a little bit more sense up the middle. Been pretty peachy for the Leafs, uh, aside from this last three-game losing streak yeah. all in regulation. Uh, the expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken goes this offseason, and some have brought up whether or not Carey Price could be the Marc-Andre Fleury for the Kraken. few obstacles, yeah. though, on that one. One being Price's no-movement clause. The Habs are forced to protect him in the expansion draft, but you can obviously make a trade if you can convince Price to waive everything. He's owed a whopping $11 million come July 1st. The expansion draft is later this month. So Seattle would only be on the hook for $2 million yeah. next season in Price's actual salary. So come fall, is Carey Price still the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens? Yes. Not a chance Seattle want to pick <laughs> up that contract. Not a chance. And they may in two years be a cap team, right? Like... Vegas set the bar pretty high here. So you, at the end of the day, the only way Carey Price ends up in Seattle is if his game falls off the face of the earth. And then even if that happens and you still want to take a chance on it, then Montreal would have to eat 20%, 30% of the contract. And I, I, I just, I don't see that happening. He is still in many ways the face of that franchise. And yes, he needs to get his A game going again, but it, it won't fall off to the point where we're, we're seriously talking about Carey Price being in another uniform. Kipper, I saw the end of uh, Jesse's notes, and it said the Sens and their UFAs. Like, they can't <laughs> keep trading their UFA. Like, eventually, don't they just have to start kind of giving these kids someone to play with? No. Really? No, no. They... No, they Get the assets, whatever you can. There's only a few untouchables. We know who they are. You know, Shabbat, uh, Brady, Kachuk, and, you know, they've added a few in the mix here. Norris looks like he's going to be a good one, you know. Batherson, same thing. Outside of that, it's a free-for-all, man. Get whatever you can. Yard sale. You don't have to give DJ a chance to give these guys, uh, like, the next step. Like, I just feel like maybe re-sign somebody. I know it's crazy, well, Eugene, but how about keeping still, a guy? You know, believe it or not, even a guy like uh, Goodbranson, there's 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 teams that want him. Yeah. Now, do you wait now for a little while and then possibly get a third or fourth rounder for him? But those are the type of moves that you're going to have. Other than that, not a heck of a lot of value. But the Stetzels and, and the young kids that I just mentioned, that's the core. Right. Everybody else, just Academy Award seat fillers, man. In, out, Kramer in, Kramer out. I got you, buddy. All right, can you stick around for last call? 
Absolutely. All right. Uh, that does it for Smoke or Fire. Thank you, Jesse Rubinoff. Thank you. Uh, round number two, we are done. Uh, Kipper, hang around for last call. Love around, Jesse, myself, and Kipper. Next. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Sportsnet has partnered with the fine folks at Movember on a content series called The Mental Game in hopes of getting Canadian men to level up their mental fitness. We all celebrated with Ryan O'Reilly in 2019 when he hoisted the Stanley Cup and was awarded the Conn Smythe Trophy. What many of us didn't see was the struggles he faced early in his NHL career trying to find balance and control in life both on and off the ice. In the latest episode in The Mental Game, the St. Louis Blues captain opened up about just that. Here's a peek. First thing uh, when I got here to St. Louis, we struggled. I remember calling, talking to my dad quite a bit in this time, and I remember being like, like, what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you know, I win? He was giving himself, you know, an impossible challenge and taking on the responsibility for winning and losing. And one of the ways he finds himself back to his game is through music. It frees the mind from the pressure of your sport or the office. Music's always been a great escape for myself and a great tool. Music was that thing that really helped me kind of get inside myself and see what's going on and help me release it somehow, which was so good for my mental health. The best things in life, like, they're gonna to be tough, they're gonna to be hard, but they're also rewarding as well. Big fan of Ryan O'Reilly. All right, time for last call. Once again, here's our friend Jesse Rubinoff with the latest. Timmy, uh, Raptors PR has released tonight's starting lineup against the Hawks. Let's just say it's thin, okay? okay? We got Kyle <laughs> Lowry, DeAndre Bembry, Norm Powell, Stanley Johnson, Aaron Baines. And we know the reason why they're out. It's COVID protocols. But Kipper, what do you think about the Raps, generally speaking, and this current situation? Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to the helicopters over Kyle Lowry's uh, house <laughs> in the next few. We're weeks. not doing that this time. Oh no, buddy. no, no, We're we are because this. he's he's that big of a star. So I hope they find a way. But you know, I, I look at uh, the Raptors, e even with a championship, it's still hard, I think, to compete. You know, with going back to maybe your hometown in Philadelphia or being in a market that doesn't have to go through 12 minutes of hockey highlights uh, before you get to your NBA highlights. So. You were part of that train, buddy. You it's, were part of that train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's still, you know, even with their championship uh, a short while ago, it's it's still hard to, to keep, you know, it's a market that's still hard to have guys ne necessarily say that's where I want to be. And I thought maybe we could have a, a shot at the Greek freak, but that didn't happen. But they didn't they didn't get me involved in the negotiations, man. <laughs> I would have had him on the Danforth right. like that. Right. I, Mark Spears came on here and said he could be on the Danforth or he could be in Greece. <laughs> like, yeah, you could actually go to Greece. Uh, so that's part of the equation, too. Obviously, the Raptors shorthanded. It'll be interesting to see where they yeah. end up after all this because... They're going to be behind the eight ball. For yeah, we sure. mentioned think of the playoff race too. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Kipper, you're a golf guy, right? You're a big golf I fan. Am, I yeah, am. okay. So you know the Players' Championship is underway at TPC Sawgrass today. Nice. Sergio Garcia is the early leader at seven under after a first round 65, while Canada's Corey Connors had a good week last week. 
third place. He's off to a good start again after a four under 68. Meanwhile, yeah. Kevin has got He's got to get the hands going a lot earlier, you know, on, oh, uh, on the weekend. That's all. <laughs> You're giving lessons? Did you happen to see uh, Kevin Na today, though? No, I didn't. I didn't catch it. Why don't we play it for him? Listen to this. This is flying well into the green. Easy. Uh, nope. This is his third shot. <laughs> You're already chuckling, Jesse. Oh, right? It's a tough oh, hole. No. It's a tough hole. This is his uh, fifth shot. Uh, Kevin, nah, guy. Don't do it again. Same swing, Nick. This is like, it's like me playing with my cousin, George. <laughs> George, you can't play? Uh, he thinks he can. No, 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 no. It's not again. Oh, 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 no. Pull it back, pull it back. Oh, oh thank God. What are you card? What's the not number? Not done yet, though. What? No, come on. Chips it in for the eight, right, Kipper. There you go. There it is. Chip it in so for man. eight. 17, obviously, an iconic hole at Sawgrass. Um, Tim, if you could play any course in the world, which would you pick? Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach is But I will say, uh, if I grow my hair out, I do have 17 at Sawgrass. <laughs> Just right, right so around. Right on the forehead. So one of the best perks was covering the Board of Governors uh, out in California and playing Pebble Beach. Ah, and it was the best $500 I've ever spent. You that's, did it? Did you play oh, yeah. Did you get on any of the other courses besides <laughs> Pebble Beach? Because I'm up and I'm walking yeah. around. I'm oh, no, no. You, you hit Spyglass, too. You oh, got to hit Spyglass. We got to get on Augusta, though. Kipper, how do you Don't get on Augusta? That's the key right there. But as, as far as Pebble Beach is concerned, it was it's incredible to be playing golf and wanting your your round to last six hours and when the group in front of <laughs> yeah. you stops to take pictures you're like you're take good. your time yeah take your time because i'm i'm doing the same thing did you play with scott morrison and and we still talk about it today our round at pebble beach did you play well or did you just not care i don't even remember <laughs> that's, ama that's amazing yeah. i was just Soaking it all in, but I, I I don't even think I remember the number. I drove by it last year yeah. with the family. Like we just did the trail. Mm -hmm. I was with the wife and kids, and we were visiting yeah. family in California. And I was like, I'm coming back here. There's yeah. without a doubt. One day. Yeah. And I actually the bucket list during the pandemic, I rewrote my bucket list and I put go to Pebble Beach and Cabot's also on it. So I Kipper, go to, have you gotten Cabot? We were talking about this with Kenny yeah. Reed. Yeah, no, Kenny I was, uh, Doug, Doug McLean promised me he's gonna take me there. <laughs> so right. yeah, you got your- so, uh, so you'll be waiting for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be waiting for a while. <laughs> you got your playing <laughs> yeah. partners there. <laughs> right. Uh, moving on from golf to basketball, New York Knicks legend Patrick Ewing is just the latest celebrity to have a run-in with Madison Square Garden security. The Georgetown head coach said he was accosted by security after his team's upset win. Ooh. In the Big East Tournament, Spike Lee and Charles Oakley have also had incidents. Obviously, those ones are infamous with MSG security. Kipper, when was the last time you had a run-in with security? If ever, <laughs> if ever. No, um, I, I, when I wrote my book, I had, I had to make sure that I, I told the, the story when Michael Jordan came back off of baseball for the first time back as a, a Chicago Bull in Madison Square Gardens in the double nickel, right? And uh, 55 points, and and the security would fold us chairs just right beside their bench. So, my my experience with Madison Square Garden security is a little <laughs> different. So hold on, you were you were courtside on a chair that the security put out for you to see Jordan go for 55. Yes, yes. 
And the best part was watching him coach the last few minutes for the win. <laughs> We're counting up the experiences yeah, here. Yeah, like I'm, I'm start, I don't know if I'm going to have you this back, is fun. Kipper. This is, you're starting to, starting to piss me off we here. Another, beach, you're going to have 55, another experience. Every 50. question, there's another one. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Veteran running back Mark Ingram has signed a one-year $3 million deal with the Houston Texans. The three-time Pro Bowler spent the last two seasons with the Ravens. Reestablished himself as one of the best hype men in the league, no doubt. He didn't want to hold out for the uh, XFL, CFL offer. Come see me. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo, woo. Lamar Jackson in the flesh. Yes, sir. Big trust. <laughs> Big trust. See, that, that, that's, a, that's a video that's going to sell now. Uh, yeah, it'll be a top shot. Okay, so the Texans are desperate to keep Deshaun Watson, who was asked to be traded. Tim, do you think uh, Ingram can convince no, him to No, no, I think a running back would help him. And Ingram was not a running back last year. Like, he was bad in Baltimore. They just basically stopped giving him the ball. Nah, man, like, I, I think you got to get him some held talent. Out. Should have held out for an XFL-CFL offer. <laughs> Are you big on the XFL-CFL coming together, Kipper? What do we say? Desperate times? Oh, for desperate, desperate measures? measures? Yeah, without and, a doubt. Go explore it all you want, but I don't know where it leads. No, me either. It's like a half-baked idea. They were talking no, 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 about no, no, talking. No. My no. God. The, Tim. <laughs> all right. Tim, the, the oven's not even on. Oh, no, yeah. It's not even half-baked. Yeah. Hey, buddy, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Uh, Thanks, Jess. Nick Kiprios, definitely one of the friends. Uh, we'll do it more often. Thanks for watching. Back tomorrow, Sarah Nurse, Mark Spears, best of the week. Thanks to Dave McMenamin, Nick Kiprios, Buck Martinez, Sean McKenzie, and uh, Rob McLean slash Ryan Leslie. <laughs>